This is Pastor Matthew Castro at Central Church. I'm the adult ministries pastor, and you are listening to Attributes of God with Dr. Jim Ullman. Recording. He started the plan in eternity past, and it reaches to eternity future. Okay, so far? Um, And you're included in that plan, and the plan is for you to become like Christ. In light of the context of Romans 8, uh, look back at verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Do you hear Romans 8.28 in that verse? The sufferings of this present time, all things, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall... You know, <laughs> uh, how does it... I, I, Romans, oh, I'm in chapter 7. You know, if you're in chapter 7, you almost never find what you're looking for in chapter 8. I'll just, I thought I'd share that with you because you wouldn't know that. You need a doctorate from Dallas Seminary to know that. So chapter 8, 18, um, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, so all things work together for good, um, uh, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So uh, the good is the glory that shall be revealed in us. And it turns out that that the glory that we will receive is the glory of Jesus. And that's astonishing to me. I don't don't understand that. I I can't even enter into it. I know all the words. I just don't know what that means in any kind of precise way. Uh, But but that that means, folks, that no matter how sick you are, that's part of the all things that are working together for good. Yes? Yeah? That doesn't mean that means if you're a Christian in war-torn Ukraine, all things work together for good. I talked to a, a, a dear friend uh, that I've known for most uh, how long? Over over 40 years. <clears throat> 45 years or so. <clears throat> today, he, he did a lot of teaching in, in Kiev in years past at a small college there. And he was telling me about a pastor, Sergei, and his wife that had fled from Ukraine where he was pastoring a church, and their car broke down on the way. And he told me the story, and one providence after another came to them. They had... I don't know whether they had two or three children, but they, he said they had children. Um, the car broke down, and they, they, they found somebody who would repair it, and they got into, uh, finally they went into, uh, I think they went to Croatia, and he's pastoring a church now. But just one providence after another that, that God was working, abandoning your home and everything you own, yes, and having your car break down in the middle of a war. This, how can, God, where are you? Well, God was there right through the whole event. Am I making sense to you? We, we know that as an objective fact. What we're not so sure of is whether it's true in my life. Yes, when those things happen to me, I'm not really sure of it. Jan was heading to Oklahoma City. Her, her mother, it was Mother's Day weekend. 
Graduation at Dallas Seminary is always on Mother's Day weekend. That's, that's terrible for the faculty. It's wonderful for the students because <laughs> their mothers can come and, and participate. Um, but uh, she was on her way to Oklahoma City, and it had been raining. I thought Noah was going to come to the door pretty soon. It, it was raining so bad. The Red River that separates Texas uh, from the Holy Land uh, is, uh, was so full that it was at the at the uh, at the top of the girders of the bridge. And she drove across there, and there is about a mile into Oklahoma. There is a uh, the Chickasaw Casino, I think they call it. It's in the old Chickasaw Territory from the, uh, uh, the pre-state days. And when she got there, her, her car uh, 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 hydroplaned, went airborne, <laughs> and landed. And she said, on, on the way over, I had just been singing the praises of the Lord. And she said, Lord, I'm going to get to see you today. <laughs> and the car landed. As it turned out, the car was, was totaled. And, you know, you, you just think, Lord, what are you doing? Yes. But then after it's over, you see the hand of God. What if we could trust the wisdom of God to the extent that even when the, the bad thing starts, we're beginning to trust the wisdom? Yes. It is, the, it is I who do all these things. That that's right. That's, that's what the Lord uh, That's what Scripture says. Don't worry. That's right. So, so if God is wise, I need to, to know what his plan is. I need to know something about his will. And that's why I have, have included this section on the will of God in this. One of our problems in talking about the will of God is that we really don't know what we mean. Because we mean various things at, at, at various times. Um, well, it was the will of God. Or I need to know what the will of God is about this. Are you with me here? So I'm, I'm asking, this is the way I was raised, folks. Some of you were too. Um, you've got to find out what God's plan for your life is. And get right in the middle of it and stay right in the middle of it. Because if you don't, you may miss the plan of God for your life. And my pastor actually said, he will put you on the shelf and you will not be useful to him anymore. Am I making sense to you? Yes, no? Some of you have this in your background. Um, pardon? No, it's not. And, and uh, that's what I, why, why I wanted to include, include this, especially after talking about the wisdom of God. If God is that wise, then is he going to leave it up to us to figure out how to find the will of God for your life? Well, no. He hasn't, he hasn't given us any guidance on how to get the will of God for your life. When I left to go to Dallas to teach, one of the men at the church that we attended said, Jim, you just got to do one thing for these, for these students. Got to teach them how to hear the voice, how to recognize the voice of God. And I thought, I have no idea. Because as far as I know, I've never heard the voice of God. Um, so I, I made no response to him because he was being very earnest. He was deeply moved as he said it. The way I said it was more or less the way he did. 
Pardon? Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you making trouble? Okay. Is Morgan Freeman? <laughs> oh, I thought it was James. I thought it was James Earl Jones, frankly. <laughs> uh, but the the, uh, the, the I, I know nothing in the Bible that tells me how to find the will of God for my life. Uh, or, in fact, I don't know anything in the Bible that says I need to find the will of God for my life. What I've what I have found is, folks. Do you realize that every commandment in the New Testament is the will of God for your life? So I used to tell our students here in Memphis, uh, instead of, and because they were younger, they're college age, yes, so they're making all the big decisions that you make at a time when you're in, in no way prepared to make them. Yes, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So you have no guidance on how to make any of those decisions. So they were always wondering, well, what should I major in and what kind of career should I pursue? Should I get married? Should I marry? Which one of these people should I marry? And where should we live? And, and I'd, say, I'd say to them, you know, um, is God God in Chicago? Yes. yes. Is God God in Memphis? Then does he, if, if I'm if I am displaying the fruit of the Spirit, does it matter where I am? No. So the issue is not finding out whether to go to Chicago or stay in Memphis. The issue is pursue the fruit of the Spirit, and the Lord will, will direct you in the right place. Um, a, um, a stubborn horse cannot be directed. Yes? What, are, what, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Gentleness. If, if we are gentle, is it going to be easy for God to guide us? Yeah. I won't necessarily know that he's guiding me. I thought God's plan for my life was to go to um, graduate school and get a master's degree and teach Latin until I could get a doctorate, and then maybe I could teach them in a college, teach Latin and Greek. I, I, I was pretty sure going into the Army was not God's will for my life. It was the Vietnam War. <laughs> but it turned out that Satan made that number come up. It wasn't God, it was Satan. <laughs> no, it was very clearly God who, because, folks, I've told you this before. I was born 12 minutes before midnight. If I had been born 12, 12 and a half minutes later, instead of being 68 or whatever my number was, I'd have been 303 in the draft lottery. Now, those of you who are of an age, what does 303 mean during the, the 60s and 70s? You're safe. You're, safe. You're not going to be drafted. Not going. Uh, and I said to my mother, why didn't you wait 12 minutes? She said, if I had known how important it was going to be, I would have. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, but it was clearly the will of God, folks. It was clearly the plan of God. Now, looking back on it, I can say it was clearly the plan of God. So what do we mean when we're talking about when, uh, the will of God? And that's what this study is intended to, to address. 
ISBE is one of the one of one of the really fine multi-volume. I think it's four volumes. Um, it's the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. If you are interested in one, don't get the one from the 1900s, from uh, the eight, 19th century. Get the one that's the the modern version. But they make this comment in in the uh, in volume four. The biblical understanding of God as a person who created persons in his image recognizes in God the characteristic of desiring or delighting in certain things or people, as well as the capacity to choose and initiate one course of another of action in preference to another. This is the will of God. Do you follow this so far as we go, as we've gone? Uh, the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology says it is necessary to make distinctions within the will of God. And this is part of our problem. When we talk about the will of God, <clears throat> do we mean the crucifixion and resurrection, or do we, need, do we mean, should I turn left or right at this next corner? And there are people who use the will of God precisely that way. I, I, it was just the hand of the Lord on me that I turned right instead of left. Well, it may be. Who am I to say? But that's not the point of this. He, the, the, the article goes on. Thus, God's will may be said to be both necessary and free. It is free over against creation. God's will is not bound by his creation. Okay? Yes? No? You get it? All right. Uh, I can't change the will of God. Why would I want to? <laughs> now, now, there are some things I would have changed in my life if God had said, Jim, what do you want to do here? I'm, well, Lord, I'd really rather do this than that. But uh, he didn't give me that option. He's free with reference to his, to his creation. Uh, God's necessary will means that he cannot deny himself but that he must act consistently with his own nature. Everything God does, everything God, God wills, is consistent with his nature. So going back to that basic description of God that we introduced the first night and have repeated nearly every time that we've been together, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and Truth, uh, 11. Um, God can't make an unjust plan. So as a child of God, I can never think that God is unjust. In the Psalms, they, they do question the, the justice of God. And in the midst of pain, God understands our pain knows it better than we do, and knows what it costs us. And so in our pain, when our pain is speaking and not our faith, God understands that. It's, it's not wrong to say what you actually feel to God. It's right. Uh, do you notice that people whom you have, with whom you have a love relationship, you can say hard things to them? Yes? Because they understand you. And there, there might be some 
contention. Uh, my son-in-law is pastoring, co-pastoring a church now called Grace United in Little Rock. And they have merged with, an, with two African-American churches. And it's, it's a real experiment. I happened to meet, be there for their Christmas uh, celebration last December. And I met the other man who is uh, co-pastoring with Joshua. His, his, he's, he's called affectionately in Little Rock Bishop, Alexander, Bishop Arnold. Um, and I said to him, I want, I want you to realize one thing. Uh, I forget who said this. It's not new to me. Relationships are fostered through conflict. If you've been married any amount of time, is that true? Yeah. So how come you've reached 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years of marriage? Because you work through the conflict. Yes? What'd you say? Did what I was told. Did what I was told. <laughs> yeah. I told, I told my son-in-law the two most important words in your vocabulary from now on must be, yes, dear. Um, but but uh, I asked Joshua, we were there, I think last weekend, briefly, uh, we were there for our granddaughters and our, our son-in-law's birthday. Um, and... Uh, I said, how are things going? How is this developing? That's been a year. This, this, was, this month is the first full year of their life together as, to, as, as a church. He said, it's really hard. He said, I will say something that offends him, and we have to mend fences. He will say something that offends me, and we have to mend fences. We have to figure out how to, how to, how to relate to each other. Well, folks, that's the second year of marriage. Am I right? I remember in our first year thinking, you oh, know, I think we're going to get along with no arguments. But suddenly in the second year, something changed. I don't know altogether what happened, but something changed. And uh, yeah, something just switched on. And we started, we started being honest with one another is what happened. Am I making sense to you? So... Um, the, the, the issue with God in all of this is that God can't act contrary to his will, to his character. No plan he can make is contrary to his character. I don't understand my wife even after 50 years of marriage. I, I do and I don't. There are things she does that, where did that come from? After 50 years. If God is an incomprehensible being, and he is, then there are always depths in his being that can shock me. There are always twists in his work that scare me to the core of my being. But how could it be otherwise with such a God? What I have to do in those times is come back to the statement from the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology. God's necessary will means that he cannot deny himself, but that he must act consistently with his own nature. So even when it seems like God is acting contrary to his nature, he's not. 
I just don't understand his nature well enough to be able to see how he's acting in accord with his nature. This is where faith comes in. We've talked about faith on a jillion occasions, but one of the aspects of faith is a love relationship, and all love relationships, as far as I can tell, entail two things. One is behavior change. You act differently in a love relationship than you did when you were not in a love relationship. The other thing that's always in a love relationship, if there's real love, then this is here. This is there. Risk. Because loving another person is risky. Yes? There is no true risk in loving God. But he's able to act in ways that seem so contrary to everything I know about God. But I must continue to trust him in spite of it. Because he has proven himself. Look, folks, we've got this, this Bible has. Paper that I can't turn. Uh, 1,751 pages in it. There are 1,751 pages giving testimony to the unchanging, unflinching faithfulness of God to his own character. Why should it change with me? You follow? So the necessary will of God is that part of his character that determines everything he can choose. God cannot choose genuine evil. We'll talk later about the problem of evil. We're going to talk about the goodness of God before long. And after we talk about the goodness of God, if God is so good, how come there is evil in the world? And there is evil in the world, but God can never choose himself to do evil. So whatever misery is in my life, I must, I must trust those 1,751 pages. And then I had three, four courses in church history. <laughs> I got I to trust church history, yes? Because in church history, God has not failed his people, yes? And I got to trust the word of the, of the martyrs of our own day, of the 20th and 20, now the 21st century. I got to trust that because they, many of them, not all, went to death singing the praises of God. So if they can do that, whatever little problems I'm facing are huge for me. No, no headache is small when it's yours. Uh, but when this little problem of mine comes up, how can I... Throw that in the scale against all of that and say, well, God's not faithful now. Am I making sense to you? This means, this is part of what faith is about. You trust God even when there's no real reason, no obvious reason for trusting him. Some things he wills necessarily because of his nature. He wills uh, life. Some things he cannot do. He cannot lie, he cannot die, and he cannot deny himself, my favorite professor said. <laughs> God cannot lie, he cannot die, and he cannot deny himself. 
Uh, so these verses are really important here. It's from that same evangelical dictionary of theology that that, that information comes. In the, in the will of God, though, we can discern three uh, distinctions. One is the decretive will of God. The decree of God is a reference Erickson says in, in his, I uh, uh, forgot what CDT stands for, uh, Christ, uh, Concise Dictionary of Theology. This is a reference to God's will as bringing certain things to pass. He is regarded as the initiator, the crucifixion of Jesus, the incarnation, the resurrection. These are the decretive will of God. Your birth. I, I asked a stupid question one day in a, in a, um, a, in a Romans class. There was, a, there was a medical doctor in the class. Are there any MDs here tonight? I, I, I don't see any hands. This was just as dumb. I'm dumber in a post to ask a question like this, but I said to him, in any conception event, how many different persons could be conceived? And he kind of looked cross-eyed for a moment. How do I even answer that question? It, it depends on how different the person has to be to be a different person. Yes? So if I was born not with dark brown hair, well, I was actually born with carrot red hair. But if I had been born with uh, black hair, would I be a different person? Well, no, probably not. But he said, <laughs> he said millions. What does God mean when he says to Pharaoh, for, you, for this reason I raised you up? Yeah, it was God's decretive will that that man should be on the throne at the time Moses comes back to seek the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Yes? A man who would deny every um, approach that Moses makes through 10 plagues. Yes? For this reason, I raise you. There, he could have put somebody on the throne of Egypt who would have been compliant and ready to, to grant Moses' request, but he put this man on the throne. Are you with me? So the decretive will of God. God is the initiator of these things. There is also the permissive will of God. God's allowing humans and others, I add to Erickson's comment here, to commit acts that he himself would never choose. Our, have, have you had any teach, teaching in angelology? Okay, some is and some ain't. Doctrine of angels. I was assigned to teach doc, uh, angelology one semester at the college. And the, the academic dean at the school really loved a book um, on angelology. And I looked at the book and I thought, this guy knows... And this is a judgmental statement, so please take it in the spirit in which I give it. it was, I was intending it as a joke. This guy knows more about angels than the Bible does. And I thought, I'm never going to teach angelology again. <laughs> so I taught it once. I don't remember much of it. But um, how does anything exist? How does any being exist? God 
en enabled the, the existence of those beings. So he, he created, spoke humanity, let us make man in our image according to our own likeness. Yes. Well, that, does that include the angels? No. Um, our theology teaches us that Satan is a fallen angel. Then in creating Satan, the person who would become Satan, did he know that he would become Satan? Then why did he do it? I don't know either. That would solve the problem of evil, and we can't solve the problem of evil, not on this side of the resurrection. Right? Maybe not on the other side either. Um, did I'm going to ask a tough question here. Did God know when he created Adam and Eve that they would sin? Then why did he do it? We're going to talk about that later, but I pose that question for you. Um, why did he create, create the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if he knew they were going to eat from it? Well, they were free and he wanted them to exercise their free choice. No, that's not even in the text. The text is, and, and we, we've dealt with this two years ago, so I'm sure you remember everything I said two years ago. But, but in Genesis 2, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, but every tree in the garden was good for food, and she saw that it was uh, delightful to the eyes, but every tree in the garden was delightful to the eyes. The third issue is the problem. She saw that it was desirable to make one wise. She has quit trusting the word of God and started trusting the word of the serpent. Eating the fruit is only the effect of sin. It's not the sin itself. It's a disobedience but it's not sin itself. The sin is unbelief. And it's not a matter of exercising free will. We've talked about free will in the past here, this, this fall. Um, and I reiterate, folks, the, the two definitions that we use for freedom, or one definition that we use for freedom, is really a dead end, if you think about it, for, we, call, we, we talk about freedom as power of ultimate choice, that a free person always has to choose, or has the opportunity to choose any option presented to the will. And when I introduced that definition, I asked you, is God free? What, what would you say? Is he, is he able to choose any option that is presented to his will. No, he cannot sin. Okay? Then God is less free than you and I are. Or isn't it the case that God is more free than you and I are because he has no sin? And our sin has made us unfree. We are not free in any sense of being able to choose any option that is presented to our will. We don't have that freedom. I can't jump off a building and will to be back up on top. I can want to be back up on top. I can't will to be back up on top. Yes? I couldn't will Jan to marry me. 
I had to ask her. Yes? Am I making sense? Right? So what is freedom, and I gave you an alternate way of defining freedom. Freedom is the ability to, to choose spontaneously, without coercion, in accord with your own nature. Okay? Are you with me? God has that, and you and I have that. Problem is, when we're lost, what is our condition spiritually? Dead in trespasses and sins. If we're dead, how many choices can a corpse make in the sphere to which he's dead? Zero. So I can make no choices in, in the sphere that relates to God because I'm dead to God. Are you with me here? Right. So the ability to choose spontaneously without coercion in accord with your nature. So I can, I can choose to jump off a building. I can't choose to be back up on top. So when I chose, or when I, I think I chose to accept Christ as my Savior that without, I know, without coercion. Was that? No coercion. No coercion. Did you feel coerced? No. No? You so, that's, yeah, you did. You acted without coercion. You acted spontaneously. But what God had done is work in your life. So, the, the, so here, the permissive will includes all the things that would be contrary to his, um, boy, where did I go? The decretive will uh, includes all things, including sin, that he intends to use to carry out his plan in whatever field he's acting in. I have this, God being infinite, Surely this is not the only thing that he's, our world is not the only thing he's doing in all, of, in all of eternity. So in whatever field he's working in, he is free to do all that's in accord with his nature. The permissive will entails the notion that he will, he will permit a certain amount of deviation from his, um, uh, where's the uh, preceptive will, We'll come back to this in a little bit. What would a preceptive will be? His, his, well, it's essentially God's commandments. Yeah, his policy statements. So uh, let's go back to the permissive will. He he has willed to permit his creatures to deviate from his commandments. Yes, Job. Yeah, and Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and Saul, and and uh, and uh, uh, David, and Adam, and Eve, and uh, Cain, Cain, and Howard, and <laughs> uh, so he he has for for good and and righteous purposes allowed sin in this world. And why? Well, one of the reasons, folks, is. What is God's purpose in anything that he does? To bring glory to himself. Is he so 
Is he so self-centered that he has to have people, he's not happy unless everybody's around singing his praises? Or is it that he is so magnificent that the highest joy will be to appreciate his magnificence? So in his, in his plan, what he has done is to reveal in this creation, folks, did God create the world? You know, God has a revealed will. Yes, God, yeah. And then he has his sovereign will. That's right. So we cannot get that. So in creating this world, what is it that this world is the best possible world to reveal? What is the attribute of God that the angels don't understand? Salvation? No. Mercy. Say, grace. Grace. Folks, without fallen people, God couldn't show his grace. This world is the best of all possible worlds for revealing the grace of God. Okay? Okay so far? Does this make sense? Uh, so the permissive will, God's allowing humans and others commit to commit acts that he himself would never choose, but, and I would add to what Erickson says here, but it is to achieve a great purpose that's beyond simply the, this violation of his will. God's permissive will says how is his will to permit whatsoever he thinks fit to permit or not to hinder. He thinks fit to permit, or I'm sorry, while what he, what he so wills or determines so to permit, he intends also to regulate and not behold as an idle, unconcerted spectator, but to dispose all those permitted acts unto wise and great ends of his own. And that's what we have to hold on to when evil is ruling in the world, and evil is always world, ruling in the world. Uh, but, but when evil is, is open-faced and is not hid behind the mask of civic duty or uh, civil religion, when evil is out front and confronting us, we must hold on to the fact that God has permitted all this unto wise and great ends of his own. What those ends could possibly be are beyond us to understand. But one day they will be revealed and we will look back and marvel at the wisdom of God in creating this world as he did. Uh, that's tough. And this, this is really difficult to, to read, so I'm sorry for that, but it was, it was written in the 19th century, so we have to kind of work with it. Luke 7.30, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. This word boule in Greek is a word that also means plan. In in the plan of God, it would have been possible for the Pharisees and the lawyers to embrace God's plan and, 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 and seek baptism from John the Baptist, but they didn't. 
Um, then we have the preceptive will of God, God's commandments. Luke twenty two forty two, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is a good indication and a marvelous place to see the true humanity of Jesus. He has a will that is different from the will of God. Yes? As God, he has the will of God only. As man, he has a true human will. And he doesn't want to go to the cross. He knows what it's going to cost. Yes? But he is willing to submit to the preceptive will of God. This commandment I have from my Father, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I lay down my life and I have the authority to raise it up again. I don't have the right to lay down my life in suicide. See, Jesus could conceivably have avoided the cross. Maybe some of you remember an old song. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he bore it all for you and me. Uh, why? Because he submitted his will to the will of the Father, even when he knew what it was going to cost him. You and I don't know what it's going to cost us. Yes? He knew the future. You and I don't. But we must try, we must, I've, I've quoted these verses too many times. You're weary of hearing them, but Matthew chapter 6, uh, 7, 7. Um, enter by the narrow gate, because broad is the gate, and easy is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are who find it. Um, how narrow is the gate, and how restricted is the way? I, I, I remind you, if you weren't in those studies earlier, the word um, narrow in Hebrew is tsar, T-S-A-R, we would spell it. And in a literal sense, when it's used in, in literal ways and not in, in, in um, abstract ways, in literal senses, it means narrow. When you're in trouble, you're in a, in a narrow space. And some of you are old enough to remember, give me land, lots of land. Yes? So, so don't fence me in. <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus is talking about the way that he is going to the kingdom and the way that he is going to the kingdom is going to lead to his death. And it may well lead to his followers' death as well. Does it make sense to you? So um, the preceptive will of God for Jesus was go to the cross, embrace it, and all of its shame and all of the agony of the cross. And then... Take up your life again. Um, does God have a personal will for your life? And the answer is yes. Has he promised um, to uh, reveal it to us? And the answer is no. Sproul, R.C. Sproul says, no magic recipe has come from heaven that will determine for us the perfect will of God for a life partner. You know how I know it was God's will for me to marry Jan? She told me. Because she told me. 
<laughs> yeah, my favorite professor said, uh, a, man, a, a, a woman chases a man until he catches her. <laughs> now that was my, my favorite professor who grew up in the, in the 1930s and 40s. But, but uh, uh, you know how I know it's God's will that I married Jan? Because I did. Now, having married Jan, God's will is for us to stay married. Uh, but but she, he didn't know how bad how bad wrong she was going to be so many times. <laughs> I could I could get away with it tonight because she's not here. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and, and and recorded. He and and she didn't know how wrong I was going to be at, at certain times. Are you with me here? Uh, but it don't make no never mind because it's God. Yeah. What for, for the children of God, what happens is God's will. Am I making sense to you? Um, and an unbeliever might say, God, that's just an excuse. I know, right? but it, don't make, it, it doesn't matter what they say. I'm just telling you what Scripture says. So um, no magic recipe exists. You have been told all of these things, all, some of you, all of your life, you need to pray and get in fellowship with God, confess all known sin, uh, have your fellowship restored with God, and you're spiritual, and when you're spiritual and you're doing the will of God, then he will reveal his will to you, reveal the next step in the road. Uh, my, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. You don't need to know the end of the road. You just need to know the next step. Amen. And that was great preaching. It just doesn't follow scripture. It takes passages out of context and doesn't help us much. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he, and this Jan would say is her verse. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it complete to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So did God begin a good work in your life? Yes. Then he Say again. Uh, this is about believers. So has he begun a good work in your life? Then he's working it out. But that doesn't begin until you believe. I don't, I, I can't say that because he had, he started out with the process of, of convicting me of sin. Well, and you together. So it's yeah. predetermined. We're not dealing with that right now. We, we may have to later, brother, but we're not dealing with this. But um, look at Philippians 129. Um, I'm, I'm still in Ephesians. Philippians 129. It's the last verse of, of Philippians 1. Because, um, I'm in chapter 2, <laughs> and I can't turn the page, there it goes, in uh, 129, uh, because knowing this, oh dear, 29, because 
for the sake of Christ, it has been given to you. Who gave it? God did. God did. For the sake of Christ Jesus, for the sake of Christ, God, it has been given to you not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. So where does faith come from? It's a gift from God. Are you with me here? Faith is a gift from God. Well, that has to be, folks. The essence of sin is unbelief. It's not disobedience. So if I'm ever to be saved, I'm going to have to get to a place of faith. But I am at, at heart and by, by birth an unbeliever. So how am, I ever, how am I ever going to get a heart from God? Moses said this long ago. Deuteronomy 29, 30, what is it? Chapter 29, verse 2. You with your own eyes saw all that God did to Pharaoh and to Egypt and to all his land, those great plagues which he did in Egypt. But to this day, God has not given you eyes to see, ears to hear, or a heart to understand. And what God has done for us is give us eyes to see, heart to, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. Why do non-believers think the gospel is foolishness because they don't have eyes to hear, ears to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, or a heart to understand. Where are they going to get it? Where does it come from? It comes from God. Um, I, I got to ask this question. So, he doesn't reveal his will for your life. Yeah. I agree with that. We, we follow and we seek and we, we get after so I've taught all my kids this. So I'm either wrong or right. Or <laughs> we pray to him. We yeah. seek. Yeah. And as I tell my kids, he tells you in your gut. That's what your conscience is. You feel good about it. It doesn't mean you always make the right decision. Yeah. God, you told me, and it was wrong. So <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I struck my life. But yeah. um, you pray about things, and I've had God audibly, just a uh, voice, tell me. Like when I was trying to leave my airline job three years prior, I did. And I was crying about another job. And he said, I gave you a job 30 years ago. It's at the airport going to work there. I said, yes, sir. Three years later, he let me retire and provided yeah. my house, all that. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back that I listened. Yeah. I've never listened. And I've never been patient about what time I was. And it rewarded me. And it's helped to this day. Yeah. That said, he doesn't reveal, but... Are we just happenstance? Are we just roll along and hope? No. We pray. To we trust. We trust. You get involved in what you know to be the will of God. Obviously, following following that. Yeah. Seventeen hundred pages. Yeah. But, you know, you, you pray about. Can you? Well, here's here's the point. You, you get involved in what God has commanded His people to do. You you realize the fruit of the Spirit are the, are the production of the Spirit in your life, but. But you, when, when circumstances arise, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, when the opportunity or when the circumstance arise where you don't want to be gentle, you realize that this is the work of God in your life. So, okay, I'm going to choose gentleness here instead of harshness. Am I making sense to you? 
So, so you're, you're putting yourself in a position where you're fulfilling what you know to be God's plan for his people. You know these things are his plan. You know that he intends um, fellowship of the saints. You know that he intends evangelism. You know that he intends us to get to know him better, yes? You know that he intends you to work for your living, yes? You, now, what job? Does it matter to God what job you're doing? Can he use you in any job that you take? then quit worrying about it and take the job you can get. <laughs> so but Second Peter, now this is an obscure book, and we're getting close to the end of the, of the session tonight, but Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look at this verse. And, and this is in part an answer to your question, brother. Uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, seeing that his divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have all the wisdom you need at your disposal. You don't feel very wise. I don't, but you have all the wisdom you need at your disposal. You have all the strength you need at your disposal. I heard um, Johnny Erickson talking about this very problem. It was back in the late 60s or early 70s when she was injured. When was it? And some of you know. Late, late 60s. Late 60s. 68 or so. I think that's right. And she said she's lived with pain every day of her life. And she says, I, I just, Lord, I don't have the strength to face this any longer. When will you take me home? And normally a woman in her condition doesn't last as long as she's lived. Um, but she said, uh, you have told me, I, I, I have forgotten the reference. It may be in the Psalms. I couldn't tell you now. But it's a verse I learned from a missionary book that was called Greenleaf and Drought Time about missionaries in China in the late 40s. And one of the verses that they quoted for themselves was, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I don't need strength for tomorrow. And I don't need strength for all day. I just need strength for right now. <laughs> Our daily bread. And it could be even necessary bread. It's, there's a lot of trouble in translating that specific statement. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says the same thing that we read in, in 2 Peter. But 2 Peter says it in such a pointed way. He has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So when you're confused, you can, you can trust that God has not sent the confusion. And you must, you must come back to Basics. Who is God? What kind of person is he? What are his characteristics? What has he promised? And you risk yourself on those promises day by day, and you watch to see what God does. Um, Which one was that? The, what? Uh, chapter 1, verse, I'll tell you in a second here. 
Um, um, got to Galatians again. At chapter 1, verse uh, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to understand, uh, this is one of the reasons I, I wanted to start with Genesis to Deuteronomy in, in studies here at the church. That's the foundation of the rest of the Bible. What is blessing in, in, in the books of Moses? Do you remember? We said it over and over again. When God blesses, he gives all things that are necessary for life and for service. So when you feel completely inadequate for a ministry that you, you see right before you, you see it there, and you feel completely inadequate for this, and I'm preaching to myself as much as to you, more than to you. You feel completely inadequate for it. Don't turn it down. Embrace it. Because as thy days, so shall thy strength be. God has endowed you with all things necessary for life and for service. He, by his divine power, has, how did he say it in 2 Peter? Um, has uh, given you all things that per pertain to life and to, for, and to godliness. That's what blessing is, folks. God has blessed you. You now have resident within you the triune God. And having resident within you the triune God, their, their purpose is to reveal themselves through you. They, them, they, he, what shall I say? The three persons have the intent of revealing the greatness of God through you. And the only way they can do that is through your weakness. The lady, Johnny. Yeah. Johnny, she wanted to die. Yeah. She wanted, you know, yes. You know, God sustained her mm -hmm. by sh that we now can see it is by the power. Yes. Yeah. Know. So that is the will of God. Yeah. So we, we have. To see the exactly. Yeah. You and I, regular people. That's right. But we're regular people. She was too. Yes. Yeah, and is too. Um, she's been forced into some things that we haven't been forced into. Yes? But uh, so, so the point, brothers and sisters, is... Uh, let me go on with Philippians 2, 12, and 13, and we'll stop for the night. You've got both of the, the preceptive will and the decretive will involved in these two verses. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I thought I knew what fear and trembling mean, meant at one time. Then I studied it some more and found out I don't have a clue. <laughs> uh, but that's the precept of God. Work out your own salvation. Uh, I think work out here should be thought of in terms of working out a math problem. If you have a formula before you, the answer is actually there. I just can't see it until I sort out all the, the elements of the problem. Yes? That's why you meditate. Pardon? That's why you meditate on the word. Yeah. So work out your salvation. Carry, carry it out. 
Do, do what God has commanded you to do. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I don't even want to do good if God hasn't already given me the desire to do it. Even as a child of God, I don't want to do good unless God has already given me the desire to do it. And when there's something good that I don't want to do, <laughs> I must trust that God will enable me not only to do it, but to do it with joy and the awareness that I'm bringing honor to God. So the, uh, the will of God. Let's close with prayer. Father, these subjects are hard for us sometimes, um, but if you are who we're seeing that you are, then these things must be true. And if they're true, then the, the, the proper response for us is to bow before your majesty and to trust you in everything that comes to us. I don't want that, Father. I want you to make things easy I want to have bluebell ice cream every day and not have to face the consequences of it. But you have called us to a life like Jesus. We are on the narrow way that could lead to death. It led him to death. Teach us to embrace it and, and to see your greatness in the process. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Attributes of God with Dr. Jim Allman. If you're new to Central Church, you can check us out at centralchurch.com. You can get more information about our ministries and our classes. We hope to see you back.